Oh, show me the... That would be such an easy way to start our conversation on investing, but I won't do it. I won't fall into old Tom Cruise quotes. Nope. It's not because I don't love me a little Jerry Maguire. It's because it would then turn investors and VCs into just the money people. And they are so much more than that. So today, sit back, take a listen as we talk about the learnings from our four-part series on investors, VCs, and how to build a relationship with them. All today on the podcast. Welcome to the Founders Place podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. Now here's your host, Todd Will. Todd Will. Hello, welcome to the podcast. I am excited today to talk about investors, investing, VCs, and all that it goes into. This is one that I get asked a lot. It's certainly been a hallmark of the book Beyond Product. One of the things that is a constant series of conversations is how do I find my investors? What does that look like? How do I attract them? How do I communicate with them? How do I find the right one? And how do I build that good long-term relationship with them? It is so much deeper than just them writing a check. So. We're going to sit down and spend some time today talking about investors, specifically after we had great conversations with Maha and Paul and Bruce and Steve, which were last four weeks of podcasts in our investor series. So first, let's sit down and have a conversation about how do you find them? Well, everyone wants to go and do the cold call thing, and that is just a disaster. In fact, if you listen to the four interviews, I think to a person, they all came back and said that is the worst way to try and reach out to them. Some of them have anecdotally said that they get hundreds of cold calls a week. Those numbers may be exaggerated, but let's say it's 10 or 15. Are you really going to sit down in their shoes and listen to 10 or 15 cold calls a week? I don't think so. So cold calling, random acts of sending pitches to them, trying to bang on their door or force their way in, or just researching online and blanketing this out, This is not looking for a summer internship, folks. This is actually making a deeper, deeper connection with these people and helping them help you find the way to make your business successful. So that is not going to be done by sending off just random texts or sending off a a pitch deck or just trying to send a bunch of emails to people and hoping that somebody will finally respond. So the first thing that I heard across the board from those four great folks and over the course of interviewing about 70 of you founders on the other end over the last year was that it has to be done on deep personal connections. Now you may be two or three steps removed from the person that finally is fundamentally going to make you that make that connection, but the only way you're going to actually connect with these folks is if you have personal handoff connections. And so if you are thinking about finding an investor Here's the couple of steps you need to take. First, start to whittle down the type of investor that you want in your organization. We'll talk a little bit in a minute about what really attracts these folks and what gets their motors racing when they hear a pitch. But you have to start looking as a founder, as an entrepreneur, as to what's the type of organization, what are the type of people, and what are the kind of track record that you're looking for to have somebody come in and invest in your organization. You're not just looking for somebody to write a checkbook. That's not how it works and certainly isn't how it works anymore. What you're looking for is somebody to come in that can believe in you. And so there, you start to whittle down the size of your universe. What are the people that are interested in me and what does that look like? And while you may have had the opportunity or the desire to go in and blanket a bunch of pitches across everyone, 
this starts to give you a sphere of influence that might be 10, 15, 5, might be 3. But you get a better sense of the types of organizations that you want to work with, the types of investors that you want to be part of your organization. So now, once you've got that decided, you start to figure out, okay, who do I know that can make those connections for me? And it really is then just handshakes, grinning, and a lot of coffee. And hopefully it's decent because you are going to spend a lot of time out in the trenches, out in the field, talking to people and building up trust and connecting with them until they feel confident to hand you off to the next person who will then feel confident to hand you off to the next person. And hopefully that will eventually lead you to that investor. And so this is going to mean being genuine in terms of your interactions and engagements. But it also means, well, frankly, it's that old Latin phrase, nosca te ipsum. And I probably butchered the hell out of that, but it's know thyself. It's really knowing who you are, what you stand for, and what your brand and organization stands for. Because one of the things that's great about this journey to connect in with investors is that you have to know yourself. And you're going to learn a lot about yourself by pitching yourself and your company and your idea over and over and over and over and over again. And while you're doing that, you get a better sense of who you are, what you stand for, and you'll start to connect the dots to the right person that will eventually lead you to that great investor, someone who's believing in you and someone who's going to make that connection and investment, not just financially, but on many levels in your organization. And so once you go through this process of conversation and conversation and connection and coffee and croissants over and over and over again, you have this output of knowing yourself, getting your pitch down, knowing what you stand for, and now you can start to finally meet that perfect best person or persons in an organization they are going to believe in you. So one of the things I heard time and again was once you start working with investors, whether it's an individual or a group, you always got an advocate, that one person that believes in you. And so as you make those connections, you've got to figure out who's that person that believes in you most. Who's the one that's willing to walk through fire for you? And that's the person that you need to connect with and make sure that they're giving you inside information and a lay of the land, the DNA, the 411 of what's happening in the room, the people around you, and the people that you're going to meet. Because they're your advocate. They're there to try and make this work. They're the ones that have bought in emotionally to you, and now they're trying to help you sell them or anyone else on what's happening with the investments. So once you make those connections, now you're ready to go in and actually have a conversation with these people. Now, there are a ton of great blogs out there about pitch decks and what they look like and what are the top 10 essential things in a pitch, and all of that's great. And there's a million different ways to slice and dice this. But I'll tell you the things that I heard that were more important than what's the font you use or how many pictures do you put in your deck or should you have a demo or not was really a couple of things. And one, it's about making that deeper underlying connection. So now you finally found the person that believes in you. You're willing to move this forward. You've made that connection with them and now you're pitching them. Well, don't abandon all of that goodwill that you've established with them in the first place. You have to develop your pitch and your ideas around what their value systems are, who they are, and what they stand for. And so this means being true to yourself, true to your brand, true to your organization, and speaking their language and the things that really move and motivate them. So for instance, I'll go down the four people we just talked to. If you're standing in front of Maha, 
Well, her biggest thing is, what is it about you? Yes, that's important. But what is it about the opportunity? She is really focused more than anything on really understanding the market, the size of the market, and what is your opportunity, your product within that space. So it's not even about product market fit. It's more about TAM analysis and SAM analysis. What's the total addressable market and how much of that can I service? What are my TAM and what are my SAM? And where do I fit in that marketplace? One of the things that is great and I love about being on C-Suite Radio, that's right, I love about being on C-Suite Radio is our sponsors. It's those people that are willing to put time, effort, and energy into making this podcast so successful. So do me a favor, sit back, take a listen, as one of our sponsors talks to you about, well, what they do best. That was fantastic. Thank you for sitting back and listening to our sponsor. Now we're going to go back to me, Todd, droning on and on and on all about investors. Am I going to be a big fish in a small pond or am I going to be a potentially large fish in a really large pond? And if you've got a great market idea and she can come in and work with you and make you more efficient and more engaged and, and create a better connection with your customers and do that at scale in a very large market, well, that is going to get her more engaged with you than just being a big fish in a small pond. Now, Paul, Paul is really to its core about trust. Paul is all about the trusted relationship. If he feels like that you've been endorsed, vetted, and you have great relationships with the people that he knows and trusts, and they trust you to bring him, bring you into him, then you've won Paul over. Now, don't get me wrong. This isn't just a blank check based on someone's say-so. Paul is going to vet you against market size. He's going to vet you against your product. He's going to vet you against a whole host of other factors. But what goes a long way with Paul and where he's been successful in the past is when that trust has been there, he's had a much higher success rate when those spidey senses have been tingling and the trust has been, well, lackluster. And so Paul uses trust and the trusted relationships and the vetting as a um, almost like a gauntlet that the potential founder or the entrepreneur has to go through before they finally reach him. And if they're able to make it through that, that says something about their tenacity, their space in the market, their willingness to be engaged, and the fact that they're really trying to approach Paul versus just he happens to be the VC sitting in front of him. Now, Bruce, Bruce has this idea of the traction gap. He's written a lot about it. He's got a best-selling book. He is really focused on this idea of what is your revenue, your traction versus your expenses. So he's going to look at this from a way that says, you might have a great product. You may have a great marketplace. You may be perfectly poised to go in and be the next great thing, that big fish in that big pond. But frankly, if you're not running the company well, if your revenues are not um, keeping up with your expenses, if you're just writing checks you can't cash, and you don't have the infrastructure, the management, the leadership skills, well, he's going to be a little more focused on, is he really going to get involved with you? And is this something that he can come in and right size and help address? Can he be that value add? Or is this just bad management, bad infrastructure, but still a really great idea? And so Paul will build on trust. He'll build on you know marketplace. He'll build on TAM and SAM analysis. But he really is going to look at the math of this thing and go into it a level that might be a little bit deeper than some of the others. For Steve, Steve's a product guy. 
Steve was, you know, born from product. And so his whole approach is really around this idea of product market fit. You know, how do you align? Where does your product align in the marketplace? How well do you know what that alignment is? If you know your alignment really well and you know your product, you know the, the place of your product in the market, well, then you've got a much better chance with Steve. So as you think about investors, and these are just four of them, there's hundreds, thousands of them, as you think about bringing investors in and, and bringing these people in to come in and partner with you, you have to know what they're looking for. What are the things that really um, get them going, get them excited, get them engaged? And what are the things that really cause them to be repelled backward from the, the scenario? And if you can spend a little bit of time researching them, listening to them, listening to their podcasts, listening to their interviews, um, seeing what they've written on blogs, you'll get a quick sense of the thing that motivates them and what are the levers that they're looking for. Now, this is not just for simple manipulation. That would be too easy. This is really understanding, are these the kinds of people and what are they motivated by to come in and help make me successful and help me grow my business? And so now you start to look at these investors as more than just the blank check, the pile of money, as people you want to engage with in longer term. So once you start to understand their values, you start to see what their track record is, where have they been successful with other organizations, where have they failed, and you can even start to get a sense as you're making these introductions to them and people are connecting you to them, as you're one or two steps removed, ask them where have they invested in the past and what has worked? When have they been able to come in and help to right-size something? Or where have they come in and a bit off more than they could chew? There wasn't enough there for them to actually work with it. They didn't have the right leadership or they didn't have the right market sizing. How have they been successful and where have they been successful? And ultimately starting to flip the switch a bit and say, how is it that I want these people to come on board and be a part of my organization and help me build and grow? Now, don't get me wrong. As a, as a founder, as an entrepreneur, there's always a, um, <laughs> a sometimes not so subtle hint of desperation because the money is not plentiful and is not there. And oftentimes you'll do just about anything to keep your idea afloat. And sometimes that can be mean making a deal with the devil. But oftentimes if you're thinking about this smartly, wisely, and you're really knowing yourself and knowing your place in the market, you can start to find those investors that really share those same value systems, that share those same ideas, that get excited about the things that you do. Because ultimately, no one's writing a check and then walking away. What they're doing is building a long-term relationship with you, and they are going to be part of your company. You're taking on partners. You're taking on ideas and ideation. You're taking on energy and focus. And those board members, those, those investors, will ultimately help to make your company thrive, or they'll sink it. And if you don't have the right value-based systems in place, and if you haven't brought on the right partnerships, and if you haven't brought them in in the right way, and you haven't been honest with them about what your product market fit is, or how you're leading the company, or how you're going and growing, or how you're building efficiencies into the space, or how you've really thought about the marketplace, well, you're going to have a very disruptive event the first time they start to learn of this. And having been in a few organizations where they haven't been as forthright as they should have on making those connections, you can see the anger and disdain that quickly comes in from some of these investors because they feel like they haven't been brought in on the most, um, oh, I don't know, uh, let's call it ethical of terms. But taking a step back, one of the things I think we need to realize is that you're making a relationship with them and they're making a relationship with you. And this goes both ways. Again, this is not just a blank check. And 
I can't tell you how many founders that I've talked to over the last year that really thought of this as a binary relationship. I'm going to pitch you on some idea. You are going to get excited about that and you are going to write me a check. And therefore, then I am able to go off and go do whatever I'm going to do. And it just doesn't work that way. And so if you're not thinking of this as that long-term relationship and bringing in partners and partnerships, you're going to be woefully mistaken. So as you start to look at the investor space, as you start to think about who's out there and you start to find those perfect people that share your values and your enthusiasm and look at the market the way you do, start to make those connections, start to get engaged with them. You may drink a lot of coffee. You may have 20 or 30 conversations before you're close enough. All of them are looking for trusted handoff partnership relationships. And then you finally have the opportunity to pitch them. Know who you're talking to in the room, know what they stand for, and know what they value. Make sure that your pitch includes those and you've, you've accounted for those as you're thinking about how you talk about yourself and how you think about yourself in the marketplace. And then know fundamentally that if you win, you've now brought this person on as a partner. And if you win, you've brought this person on as a partner. We say that again, you brought this person on as a partner. They're there for the long haul with you. They are going to be part of your infrastructure, the fabric of your relationship going forward. So make sure you know who you're getting in bed with, so to speak. Make sure you know what they stand for and how your values align. These relationships can be very fruitful and make everybody very successful, not just financially, but in terms of doing something really amazing in the market, developing fantastic products and services that customers will delight and enjoy, tapping into new markets, expanding into new markets, moving overseas, moving into new spaces, developing ancillary products, and really helping to build on the dreams and vision of that founder and do it in a way that brings people on board. And if you can make those connections, those connections are fantastic and they are so fruitful for everyone involved. But if you think of this as just a, I want you to write me a check and I want to move forward, well, then everybody loses in those relationships and there is no long-term investment and there is no capital exchange and things just fall apart very quickly. So think about this in terms of those couple of steps. Make sure you're thinking about this as an alignment on both sides of the aisle and happy hunting as you engage with the investor community. I want to thank Maha, Paul, Bruce, and Steve for being so generous with their time, their counsel, their wisdom, their insight, not only for the podcast, but for the book and the long-term relationship we're developing with all four of them. So thank you. Hats off to all four of you. If you're interested in learning more, I suggest that you check out the book Beyond Product. It's made a couple of lists. It's done very well. It's skyrocketing on Amazon. It's doing well in Barnes & Noble. You can check for it now as of May 7th. It's in local bookstores near you or check it out online at your favorite e-tailer, whether it's Amazon, Barnes & Noble, etc. You can also get it in ebook format if that is your jam. Continue to listen to the podcast. Happy to help in any way, shape, or form that we can. And thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. You've been listening to the Founders Place Podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. For past episodes, blogs, and more, visit us at foundersplace.co. That's foundersplace.co. And thanks for listening to the Founders Place Podcast, the place where exceptional founders grow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.